This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Great intro, Marina. I feel like I need like a hype man to intro me every time I have to get on stage. It'd be amazing. Um, Dan, you don't have to do that. That's okay. Um, for me, I mean. Keep being Marina's hype man, that's good. Um, Wow, so uh, I'm really excited to bring this word to you guys this morning, especially after the morning we have already had, um, that time of worship and prayer for each other was just brilliant. And um, if you haven't been around the last few weeks, we have been going through a series called Equip, um, because we believe that God has something for us to do, but he has also equipped us. He's given us everything that we need to fulfill the calling that he has for us. And uh, if you missed Bryony's preach last week, you need to go back on the podcast, you need to listen to it, um, because she spoke about our collective calling as the body of Christ, as a church, which was amazing. But she also had some really, really helpful questions um, to help us work out as individuals, like what part do we play in that, that bigger collective calling to follow Jesus, to represent Jesus, to be like Jesus in our world? And um, I found those questions really, really helpful, really practical. And the thing about our collective calling as a body, as a family, um, is that we do all have a different part to play. And our strength is in our diversity. Our strength is in the fact that We all come with different skills. We all come with different gifts, with different strengths. We come with different stories, different experiences that have shaped us and made us who we are. And when we come together, that is an incredible strength. You know, I think sometimes we feel like um, in this world, like people who are different from us, maybe that's a negative thing. If everybody in the room isn't on the same page about everything, that can be a downside. But actually, I believe in the body of Christ. It's a strength, our diversity. So we're going to continue reading in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. And uh, in verse 7, I'm going to read from the New Testament for everyone, which is great. Um, So this translation is by Tom Wright. And it says, But grace was given to each of us according to the measure the king used when he was distributing gifts. So this is following on from what Bryony spoke on last week, on on this calling on our lives. It goes on to say, grace was given to each of us according to the measure the king used when he was distributing gifts. And if we skip ahead to verse 11, it talks about what some of these gifts are. It says, um, so these are the gifts that he gave. Some were to be apostles, others prophets, others evangelists, and others pastors and teachers. And uh, if you were to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another set of gifts that are mentioned. Things like a gift of faith, gift of healing, um, gift of helping, uh, gift of hospitality. And, um, and so I believe like there's many, there's many, many gifts that God gives to each of us. I believe that, you know, you might have the gift of creativity. You might have the gift of working with small children. That is a gift, right? Like, we, we all know that's a gift. Even those of you who have that gift, I'm sure you know that is a gift, right? So, so there's the, we are all given by the grace of God these incredible gifts, these incredible strengths that we realize not everybody else has. It's something special that you carry. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I usually find it easier to spot gifts in other people than in myself. Like, we can be pretty hard on ourselves, can't we? I find it a lot easier 
to spot the gifts in other people. I don't know if you've ever been in a room or part of a group and you look around and you're just like, what am I doing here? Like, what do I have to offer in this situation? Like, what have I got to bring? And to be fair, there's some, you know, like if I was at like a brain surgeon's conference, that's probably good self-awareness, you know? Like, I don't have a whole lot to offer in this situation, in this setting, right? But in the kingdom of God, that is not true. In the kingdom of God, we have each been graced with a gift from our king. We have each been graced with gifts that are going to contribute to the calling of the church. So that is not true in the kingdom of God. This, um, we've all been graced. You are carrying a gift. Every single one of us is carrying a gift that we can bring. And the choice is ours, what we do with that gift. The choice is ours to even recognize that gift. So we're going to kind of step out of Ephesians this morning. I want to read to you a parable that Jesus told that I think kind of helps us unpack what this might have looked like, this gift giving, and what we can do with it. It's found in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. So it's a bit of a story. So you can read along, close your eyes and picture if you want to. Just stick with me, all right? Uh, So again, it will be like, now it, the it that Jesus is referring to is the kingdom of God. That means the kingdom is where everything goes the way the king wants it to go. Okay, so this is what Jesus is painting a picture of. He's saying this is the kingdom of God. This is if God has his way, this this is an example of what it might look like, okay? So again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But... The man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, 
Even what they have will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I hope I didn't lose you at the end there because it's not a nice ending. But don't worry. We're going to bring it around. All right? So just stick with me because it's not a nice ending. I don't like the way that story ends. Is anybody with me? Okay, good. (laughs) I'm glad we're all on the same page. That's not a nice ending to the story. Does anybody else just like feel for the third servant? Does anybody else just like, I can relate. That makes sense how he reacted. Man, that seems like a really harsh consequence because there's all these reasons why he might have done what he did. There could be good reasons. Maybe there's bad reasons. There's like, what, what is it? that caused a third servant to respond differently than the other two? And why was the master so harsh with him after being so kind to the other two? And you know what? I think, now I know this is just a story, but I think the third servant, he didn't know that there was something working against him. Something was out for him to fail. And I think that third servant might have been deceived might have been working under some false pretenses. And I think it's important that as we are being equipped, as we're thinking about what is it that God has called us to, what is the part that I have to play? It's important that we recognize that the same liar who tempted Eve, the same liar who tempted Jesus in the desert, he is the same liar who, although he is defeated, although we are free from sin, we are free from death, He will do whatever it takes to make sure that we cannot take hold of everything Christ has for us. Because there is more that Christ has for us. Believe it or not, even more than simple freedom from sin, there's more that he has for us. And so in in John 8, 44, Jesus refers to him this way. He says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So if there's any question, that makes it pretty clear. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. And I don't say this. I'm not, we're going to move on from this, because the point of this is not to scare you, not to be like there's somebody out for you. The point of us bringing this up is to arm you, right? It's to make you aware Because maybe some of these lies are things that are holding you back. And maybe this morning you can shake that off and move forward. Okay, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's just like a roaring lion, all right? So we don't need to be afraid of him, but let's be aware Let's take a moment and think, wow, like last week, that was so inspiring what Brian had to say. And man, like what a brilliant moment at the end of the service for so many of us to respond to that by saying, I'm, I choose to follow Jesus. Even if I don't know what to do next, I'm going to look to who Jesus is. I'm going to look to what he did. I'm going to do my best to be like him. What an incredible decision to make. And maybe we've had to make that decision every day this week, which is fine because it is a daily decision. But maybe you recognize, man, last week I was so inspired and I had in my mind what I was going to do. And I had in my mind how I was going to fulfill this calling. And the whole week has gone by and just nothing happened. So what happened there? 
Well, we're going to look at what I think is maybe some of the lies this third servant might have been working under. And the first lie is how he viewed his master, who the master is. So what does a third servant say about his master? He says, I knew you were a hard man, greedy, stingy, taking what's not yours, kind of like this guy. He's like, I think you're a Scrooge, basically, right? This was a third servant's view of his master. What a Scrooge. Okay, now that was a third servant's view of his master. But I have to say, let's step back. Let's look at some of the bigger evidence here, okay? You have a master who owns obviously a very large estate because he's very, very wealthy. And when he decides to go on a journey, he doesn't leave his wealth in the bank. He doesn't leave his wealth to his family, to his sons. He doesn't leave his wealth to trusted advisors. Who does he call in to trust his wealth to? Servants, slaves, people who didn't even own their own lives. He called them in and he trusted them with his wealth. So already I'm thinking that doesn't sound like something Scrooge would do, right? And then it says that he gave each of them according to their ability. He didn't set them up to fail. He thought, how much can you handle? I don't want to give you more than you're ready for. So one got five, one got two, one got one. Again, not a Scrooge move, right? He's thinking, how am I going to set these guys up to win? Then he comes back. Servants do well. He's not like, oh, great, thanks for doubling my money. I'm a richer guy now. Awesome, right? Because we all know he's a hard man, greedy, taking what's not his. No, Instead, he says, awesome, here, why don't you take all of that and I've got even more to give. So I think the third servant was a bit confused about who his master really is. And I wonder if sometimes we get a bit confused about who God is. We sing these amazing songs this morning about the grace of God. And we read these scriptures about the gift of God and how much he loves us and his kindness towards us and and the love of a father and how like a mother hen, he just hovers over us and looks after us and, and is concerned for us. But then when it comes to taking a risk, we almost expect God to be harsh with us when we fail. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of making a mistake. And we've made this like disconnect in our minds of who God really is. But we can know who God really is. He's not a harsh, greedy, stingy master. He is generous. He is gracious. His heart is for you. For you to win. Like any good parent, he wants to see you succeed. He is full of love towards you. He has graced us with gifts. I think the second lie the servant might have been convinced of was the value of what he had been given. Okay, so again, I think maybe our hearts kind of go out to this guy. He's a bit of an underdog, right? He said to stand there, and the first servant gets five. He's thinking, oh, awesome, five bags of gold. Second one gets two. He's like, won't want to be you. You only got two bags of gold. How embarrassing, right? But then it comes to him, and he gets one. Man, yeah. It's hard being the last picked for the team. 
No one wants to be the underdog. Our hearts go out to this guy, right? Just one bag of gold? That's it? Come on, master. You could have been a bit, a bit more generous. Well, one bag of gold, one talent. Let's break this down. Let's see how much this was actually worth, okay? Just follow with me for a second, okay? So one mina was a currency of money, right? One mina was worth three months' wages, okay? In one talent, or one bag of gold, because different translations switch between talents and bags of gold, um, contains 60 minas, okay? So this one talent, this one bag of gold, was the equivalent of 15 years' wages, Okay, I don't know if you imagine in your mind when you picture it that he had a little like, one of those like chocolate gold coin sacks and he's like, there you go, do your best with it, try to double it. Like, no, it was 15 years wages, okay? For us today, if you look at the average UK income, that's half a million pounds that he buried in the ground. It almost seems criminal, doesn't it? Like what could be done with half a million pounds? Think of where that could be invested. Think of the difference half a million pounds would make. And that is the amount, that is the value of what that servant actually had. And then he calls his master stingy. Right? I wonder if sometimes we miss the value of what we carry. The gifts that we've been graced with from our king. They are things that come from who he is. They are parts of himself. The gifts of his spirit. He is giving you a part of who he is. He shared his creativity with you. He has shared his ability to, to spot somebody who needs a word of kindness with you. He has shared words of wisdom with you. He has shared joy. He has shared uh, the, the, the ability to, to pray for healing. He is shared faith. He is sharing strength. He is sharing courage. All of these things come out of who he is. So when we compare ourselves to others and put ourselves down because, well, if only I had what that person's got, I could really do something with what they've got. One talent is not much. If I had two, I could really do something with that. What we're actually doing, we're disrespecting what God has given to us. That's actually come from him. It's actually part of who he is. And we each carry something that reflects who God is. We each carry a gift, a strength, a skill, an ability that reflects who he is. And I think when we can actually understand the value of that, what that thing could achieve if it was invested, if it grew, what could that achieve? What could that do, not in your life, only in your life, but in the lives of those around you, if it was put to work? Think about the impact that could make. And the third, the third lie that I think the servant might have fallen under was just the lie of who it actually belongs to to begin with. Right? It's like this, the master comes back and he's like, well, what did you expect me to do with it? You're greedy, you're hard, you're stingy. I wasn't going to lose it. What did you expect me to do with it? I buried it in the ground, kept it safe, right? And I think sometimes we start to, you know, convince ourselves we've earned what we've got. 
I've worked hard for this. I've, I've worked on that skill. I've worked on that strength. And that might be true, but it is still a gift. It is still a gift that was given to us by the king. That, 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 that money, that gold, was always the master's. You know, have you ever driven someone else's car? And suddenly you are very aware of all the other cars around you. You're very aware of like, no, I'm not going to bring a drink into that car. It's not my car. I don't want to spill in somebody else's car. You know, you, because it's somebody else's, you almost like take a bit more like, oh, I got to really look after this thing. But it's when it's ours, it's like, nah, nah. you know, we just, it just be, kind of becomes old hat, right? And, you know, we just kind of, oh, I'll just, whatever. You know, either, either we stop caring about it, we become apathetic, the way the, the, the servant did, or the, the other side of it is maybe we become too protective of it, right? No, no, sorry, I'd love to give you a lift, but you might get dirt on the floor mat, so no, sorry. I've worked hard for this car. I've saved for this car. I am working hard to pay off this car, so nope, sorry, can't offer you a lift. Nope, nope, no, I can't help you move this weekend. Sorry, my car is too important to me right? So when we get this attitude that like we somehow earned what God has given to us and it's just ours, either we become apathetic with it and we just let it deteriorate or we become stingy and we hoard it and we protect it and we just keep it safe because it's mine, right? But it's not. It's a gift. It is a gift to you. God didn't wait around for you to prove yourself. He's given you a gift, something to start with. He's given you a gift. You know, this parable, like I said, it's about the kingdom of heaven. It's meant to paint a picture of how things might look when they go the way that God wants them to go. And I think that's great, but my sticking point is this verse in Matthew 25, verse 29. Because I think it serves as both a warning and an invitation. Let's just look at it again really quickly. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Does that sound strange to anybody else? It's be like, what? He doesn't have, you're taking him away. That seems unfair, right? Like, come on, God, I thought you were on the side of the needy. I thought you were there to, to help us when we need things, when we don't have things. You're there to help us with that, right? And the more I think about this, though, I'm like, you know, that is interesting, though. Because in the world, there are haves and there are have-nots. And I think our immediate thought is it's about material possessions. The haves have a lot of stuff, and the have-nots don't have a lot of stuff. But I don't think it's necessarily about the material things that we have. I think it's about our outlook on life. Because I wonder if you've ever sat with somebody or maybe sat with a family, and as far as the world is concerned, they're not really on the have side, right? As far as the world is concerned, there may be more of a have-not. But... They're sharing everything that they have. They're saying, come in, come for dinner, come for a cup of tea. Oh, you need help moving this weekend? Yeah, we can help out with that. Oh, this thing is going, oh, why don't you sit down? Let's talk this thing through, right? And they've got this mentality that while the rest of the world might look at them and say, man, I wouldn't want to be them. They don't have much. They are fully aware of what they do have. And they're open-handed with it. 
and they are generous with it. And their mentality isn't, I don't have, so I must hold on to what I do have. Their mentality is, look at all that I have and that I can give and that I can share. And then we've got the haves who maybe have a lot. And yet that mentality of, yeah, but I still don't have that. Yeah, but I still don't, I'm still not making that amount. I still, have, I still need that promotion. I still need that salary. I'm still, no, don't go ahead. Don't, sorry, I'd love to give, but pff, saving for a holiday this year. Don't know what to do about that. Sorry, you know, always thinking about what they don't have. And therefore, needing to hold on to what they do. So we need to switch these around. The have and the have not mentality. And the master's saying, whoever has, they're going to be given more. Because they're trustworthy. They're actually open-handed with whatever they have, even if it's a little. And the have-nots, they just want to hold on to everything anyway. And I think we see that in the third servant. So I just have some questions for you just to help us reflect on this. Because I think these are questions that we might ask if we have that have-not mentality. We might ask questions of God of what great thing can you give me to do now? When we're thinking about how do I live out this calling? How do I play my part in the calling of the church? How, how, do, how do I contribute to the work that we are doing to be a blessing to our community, to be a blessing to our nation, to, to be a blessing to the nations? What part can I play? Questions from a have-not are, what great thing can you give me to do now? What great thing can you give me that is worth my effort? What great thing can you give me that will make me look great? You know, it's always thinking of what I don't have, and how is God going to help me get what I don't have? But I think questions that God might ask those with a have mentality is this. Will you give me the little that you think you have? Will you see the greatness in me that can make your little go a long way? Will you risk the little you have on those who have even less? This is the calling we are all called to, to recognize that God has graced us. He's shared himself with us. He has shared all of his goodness with us in different doses because he knows what we can handle. He knows what we need. He knows what we can bring. Yes, you're going to look completely different from the person next to you. And that's great. That's our strength. That in itself is a gift from God, that we are not all the same. So we need to be careful we're not comparing ourselves. We're not thinking, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I had that platform. I wish people saw me that way. Not comparing ourselves, but being thankful. Well, God, like you've given me this amazing gift that I can use to invest in others. Because we are invited to grow as people in order to have a greater impact. Whatever God has given to you is something that can grow. Wherever you are at, at the moment, you have room to grow. Some of you might feel like, I've got nothing to give. I'm struggling with this. Sounds great, Kelly. I still don't know where to start. That's okay. You're meant to grow. You're not always going to be there. You will grow. And some of you might be thinking, oh, man, I've just been pouring and pouring and giving and giving. And, man, I just, I'm just feeling a bit, like, weighed down with it all. It's a bit too much. But that's okay because you can grow. 
you can grow and you can grow stronger. You can grow in your ability to carry more, to do more. The master said to the first two, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Our master's happiness is found in the growth of his kingdom. Our master's happiness is found in every single life, every child of his that comes home. Our master's happiness is found in every inch of creation that is redeemed and brought back to life and back into light. And he's saying to us, just servants, mere servants, who are we? Who are we to receive the gifts of our master, to be trusted with, with parts of himself? But he knows better than we do. <laughs> and, and he chooses to do that. And he's inviting us to be a part of his happiness, to share in growing his happiness. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. You know, faithfulness, it's not shown in what we don't do. Faithfulness is not about avoiding unfaithfulness, right? Like a faithful friend isn't somebody who just doesn't gossip about you. A faithful friend is a person who defends you when somebody gossips about you, right? A faithful spouse isn't just somebody who doesn't cheat on you. A faithful spouse is somebody who looks for ways to serve you, to bless you, to lift you, right? To, to be a good friend to you. Faithfulness is shown in what we do. Faithfulness to God is not shown by avoiding sin, avoiding that person, avoiding that situation. Our faithfulness to God is shown with, here's what I have. God, how can I serve what you're doing? What part can I play in advancing your kingdom? God, there's people who need to know your hope, who need to know your grace, who need to know that you love them. God, what, what can I do? Help me to see what I have to offer. Help me to see the little that I have. Help me to recognize the value that I carry and the impact that that can make. And I, 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 I believe that as we invest those little things, we just make those small decisions, those small acts. God himself is faithful to us. He will act on our behalf. He will be proactive in helping you to grow stronger. He will say, I see your faithfulness with that little thing. Here's some more. I can trust you with more. I know that you are going to serve others with this. And in that way, we get to make a greater impact for his kingdom. So just as we begin to close this morning, I just wanna give you a chance to reflect. I just wanna ask you two questions. What are you afraid of? Maybe you're just afraid of failure. Maybe you're afraid that God's gonna punish you if you fail or be unhappy with you if you fail. But we know that that's not who God really is. That that's not truly who he is. And when we face that fear, when we face that emotion, we can remind ourselves what is actually true. And what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the opportunity that's gonna be great? Are you waiting for an opportunity that's gonna make you look great? Are you waiting for the opportunity that's gonna get you kudos? gonna be worth the effort, worth getting up early, 
or are you just ready to serve? God, here's my life. Jesus, let your will be done in me. And for some of us, that might mean greatness in the eyes of others. But does it really matter? Does it really matter? Because for every single one of us who make that declaration and live it out, our greatness is seen by our master. He sees what we're doing. He sees that in our hearts. He says, you've been faithful with little things. I'm going to give you more things. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.